Equity Legion of Toxic Fans. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for April 9th, 2021. This is a pretty straightforward question. What happens when filmmakers create a motion picture that checks off all the woke and politically correct boxes, plays to all the correct tropes, adequately represents every underrepresented group, and still makes a loathsome film? What if... A major studio sets out to make a so-called crowd-pleaser, and amongst the breathtaking action sequences and special effects, they interject an over-the-top and overly preachy message, and the audience hates this movie for that very reason. What happens when audiences revolt and criticize a movie for legitimate reasons? Is it the audience's fault that the movie is bad? What's a studio to do? Obviously, blame filmgoers. This time on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Render King Fisk, tackle this topic. What happens when Hollywood studios double down on really, really bad movies? Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Oh, and as a quick reminder, the Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our listeners. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles or buy our merch on zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Oh my God, your audio sounds perfect. Like you're it's almost as if you have your mic exactly where it needs to be close to your mouth. Well, as a matter of fact, I happen to be sitting with the microphone about six inches from my mouth. So, All right. All right. This is going to be an amazing episode because we're going to talk about a couple of taboo topics. Right. All right. Now, I had just sent you. Oh, damn it. I didn't even send you the link. Darn Why it. didn't you? Because I mean, what the I, hell, dude? I mean, I you know, because the thing is, is that we, we kind of made a couple of um, tragic mistakes this morning uh, before uh, 9 o'clock. We fuck up more before 9 a.m. than you'll fuck up all day. <laughs> this is what I wanted to start the show with. And, I, and, and, I, and I'm going to segue this into a conversation that I had at work. About right. bad movies, okay? All right. And about how somebody had called somebody else a fucking idiot and told him that he needs to get this through his thick skull. Eric is not a force of nature. Nature is a force of Eric when it comes to certain topics. Okay. All right? And it's, it's, it's best to back away slowly when Eric gets angry about certain topics, okay? Right. Now, I wanted to take some time to talk about toxic fandom and what happens when a studio makes a movie that, quote, celebrates diversity, unquote, where all the groups are represented, but the movie is still a piece of shit. And how do studios respond to that? And if they should respond to it. Um, I think that one of the greatest controversies as far as toxic fandom is concerned is what happened with The Force Awakened. 
And in retrospect, it was it's probably the most. And I use the word uh, woke in air quotes. There are a lot of things about this movie that people just automatically just hated for various reasons. And I think I and I think that some of the hatred towards The Force Awakens is um I think it's it's legitimate and I think that it deserves no. some criticism. But on the when other hand, the, yeah. Hold on, when you say The Force Awakens, do you mean just specifically that movie or do you mean like the entire sequel trilogy? The entire sequel trilogy is problematic. Okay. Okay. And there are Continue. things there are things about those three movies that I think are worthy of criticism. And then there, oh, are, there are other aspects of it that are not worthy of criticism. Like uh, like a stormtrooper who happens to be black. I I yeah. think that that kind of criticism is unwarranted and uncalled for. I think that um, Ray being a Mary Sue, meaning that she has all these near magic abilities. She's never once struggled in the entire trilogy, all of that stuff. Right. Yeah, I get, yeah that's, mm, that's something I struggle with. Right. Because characters don't grow unless they struggle. Right. And she did not struggle at all right in any way shape or form the fact that so, she's a the fact that she's a woman that's is, actually incidental to me that doesn't really I, I don't give a shit about that right you know she's as a character she's perfectly formed right out of the box you know you you meet her she's able to fix and fly a spaceship in spite of the fact that she's had no education she's a freaking scavenger um she yeah it, it it's just she's just a horribly written character right she has no redeeming qualities you know she has this childlike innocence but she has ultimate power kind of a thing you know what i mean and it's just no that's just that's wrong anyone who writes fiction will tell you one of the worst things you can do is create a character who never struggles. No struggles, no growth. You know? Exactly. I think that there are aspects to Ray that make her unsympathetic, and I can't relate to her. You can relate to Luke Skywalker in the beginning of Star Wars, even though he's, he's a little bit of a whiner. Right. Right. And but the thing is that it's like he wants more out of life than just being an extra farmhand for Uncle Owen. Wow, this got nerdy quick. Well, no, but it's an important point. It's an important point because a lot of people don't like the sequel trilogy and they can't really pinpoint why. Their main character is shit. That's why a lot of people right. don't like it. Right. She doesn't struggle. She There's no one thing. Name one thing that she tried to do but couldn't. Jesus, I can't think of anything. Therein lies the problem. Like, 
a fine example. Think ex- about yeah, yeah. You know, like when when Luke couldn't lift the thing out of, of the the X wing out of the swamp. He struggled with that. He struggled the entire time he was with Yoda trying to do something. You know, it's he struggled. He wasn't perfect, and it's arguably he was the challenge. The not the challenge, the chosen one. You know, and I mean, yeah, and 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 here's the other thing. And Anakin Skywalker, his dad in the prequel trilogy, also had some struggles. But you can tell that he was a talented kid. But he also had some struggles. Right. He wasn't perfect. He was an arrogant cur. You know. Yeah. Um. And there, there, there were some Mary Sue aspects of Anakin Skywalker in the Phantom Menace, but there were a lot of aspects to Anakin Skywalker. I can't, I cannot believe that I'm actually defending the prequel trilogy and, and, and explaining why they're better movies than we remember, because there was a lot to Anakin Skywalker that made him an interesting character, but not really a good person. Right. Luke was whiny, but you know what? He struggled with shit. He got to be a better person as things went on. You know, he realized he went from being whiny and somewhat selfish in the beginning to to someone who was willing to do things, put his life at risk just for his father who was never a figure in his life. Right. You know, his father turned, his father turned out to be exactly the opposite of who he thought his father was or what kind of person he thought his father was. Right. And that he had to deal with the fact that his father was this, the opposite, the exact opposite. Because when Luke was growing up, he thought his father was one thing, you know, a navigator on a spice freighter. And then he right. then he learned that his father was a Jedi. And then for a couple of years, he's angry at Darth Vader. Oh, spoiler alert. He's angry at Darth Vader because Darth Vader killed his father. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Darth Vader is his father. Now he's got to wrestle with that. And take my word for it. When somebody tells you that your dad's a bad person. When you're a kid, that that has an effect on you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what psychology you you've learned that in and of itself messes with kids. And I think that we uh, and I've spent I can a, absolutely imagine how it would. It's pretty awful. Um, It's being awful being called a filthy, rotten little bastard who's just like his father. <laughs> you know, <laughs> OK, so. All right. I'm not going to I'm not going to visit that anymore today. Yeah, Um. right. But there's an there are a lot of aspects to Luke Skywalker that makes him a character in the in the first the original three films that you can look up to and say that person's a role model because he has overcome obstacles. You look at somebody like Ray, who doesn't seem to overcome any obstacles. She just, she has all these great abilities and knowledge and skills, but you you don't see her struggle with anything. How the, how the fuck does a scavenger on this desert planet know how to fly 
the Millennium Falcon. Without we have no there's there's nothing that tells us that she's had any training in flying. That's not a hard question. But the minute you say something like that, somehow because Ray is a woman, she is immune to criticism and you're not allowed to say that's bullshit. And that's part of the problem. And then the the other thing, too, is that she comes up with force powers no one's ever demonstrated before in canon. Right. Like she and um, Kylo Ren get into a fight, a lightsaber battle when she's on a planet and he's on a spaceship. No one's ever done stuff like that before. You know, talk communicating over great distances audibly. Yeah. But having a lightsaber battle while he's on a spaceship and she's on a planet and they're God knows how many millions, if not trillions of miles away, hundreds of light years away from each other. And they're having a lightsaber battle. And then when Kylo Ren becomes Ben Ben Solo again, he no longer talks. The only line he has after the scene where he he symbolically is forgiven by Han Solo when they're on the 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 uh, the sunken second Death Star, and he ha- and he throws his lightsaber away. At that moment, he basically becomes Ben Solo again. And then for the rest of the movie, the only line he has is out. I That's think I line. think you here's the problem. I've only seen the movie twice. Me too. I just remember better than you. So uh, anyway, I, I, I seem to remember he had more lines, but here's the problem. I don't want to watch it again. And this is the thing is there's a part of my wounded inner adolescent who is crying deep down inside because I don't want to watch another Star Wars movie again. Twice is enough. <laughs> you know? Well, that's a problem, isn't it? Nobody. I mean, have, no, you, have you seen The Mandalorian? Oh, you, hell yes. <laughs> you, know? you would watch The Mandalorian, though. I, I might do that this afternoon. Right. And that's kind of the point is they're unwatchable. The sequel trilogy is unwatchable. The Mandalorian is infinitely watchable. I've seen the entire, you know, both seasons, what, three times now? And I don't know. I wasn't there, but okay. they didn't advertise the they didn't advertise the return of Luke Skywalker. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. If you don't know yeah. by now, though, eh. <laughs> we can't help you. There's nothing we can do for you. Everybody knows. So, yeah, exactly. But his his return, everyone loves. Right. right? Even. Mark Hamill, who I have some problems with. Right. Even he didn't like the way they were treating Luke Skywalker in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Right. He felt it was uncharacteristic of him. He felt that it was a major change to the character. And he didn't like it, but he's like, you know what? You're in charge. I'm going to trust you on this. I'm getting I'm getting paid to do a job and I'm going to do the job. Right. He's a professional. He's going to be a professional. Yeah. But 
anyone who grew up with the original series, the original trilogy, saw that movie and like had issues with it. I know I did. Luke wasn't even my favorite character. My favorite character was actually um, Chewbacca. Really? From the original trilogy. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. He had all the best lines. All right. But he also, he was the reason why Han Solo turned back and helped Luke. Yeah. Remember when they were going through the, yeah. the trench and the, and the Death Star? That was because of of Chewbacca. He's like the dependable one in the entire tril- uh, first, you know, the original series because he is the one who is consistent. He's not the major character, so he doesn't need to have much of a character arc. Yeah. Right? But he's the one everyone trusts and depends on. Even Leia tr- trusts Chewbacca and relies on him. You know what I mean? Yeah, Chewbacca was Chewbacca was awesome. Okay. All right, I, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that. There was, but here, here's the thing: all the characters, all of the main characters in the original Star Wars trilogy, were all flawed, including especially Han Solo. Yes, Han Solo, and he, they were all interesting characters because they had character traits that they either either tried to overcome or they overcame or they made peace with some of their bad qualities as it were Mm -hmm. um and han solo went from somebody who was a bit of a loner to somebody who who had to depend on his friends to help him out in the end and you you look at you look at the other characters in this in in the sequel trilogy, especially Ray. They don't. Um, th- I don't think that they're really memorable characters. Well, the only one that's memorable is Kylo Ren, and Kylo Ren is only memorable because of his temper tantrums and the fact that he acts like a six-year-old throughout the entire trilogy until he becomes Ben Solo again. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, I know. Ex- I know exactly what you mean. And the thing is that it was just like I don't even think that, with the exception of his hi- iconic costume, he's really not a very memorable character, except for, of course, the, his temper tantrums. And right. there's and a, that's because of the the humorous way they used it. Yeah, and I don't. I, I think it was unintentionally funny, but you know, sort of like getting off the topic, which is what we're famous for. Yes, yes, indeed. There is, and I had sent you this this article, and I'm I would like to believe that you had already read it because it's made the rounds quite a bit on social media. From the Hollywood Reporter, from Justice League to Star Wars, studios reckon with quote toxic fandom, and this is published. Jesus, I think it was published yesterday. We're recording on April first, and we don't have an April Fool's joke for you. And maybe that's the joke. We don't. We don't have an. We don't have an April Fool's joke for you. I, I can honestly say I've never enjoyed April Fools. I've okay. always seen people who do. I mean, small pranks is one thing, but I've never seen 
I've never seen pranks go on that don't end up going too far. Too far, right? So, um, eh. Hollywood majors are learning they can't be silent about what happens on social media. But as one rep cautions, if you're speaking out, you have to speak out for everybody. Um, and of course, this this talks about fans of. Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I haven't seen and I don't think I'm going to see. Um, Why not? I, 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 I don't have any interest in... Um, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly, I don't, ha- I, I don't have any interest in seeing this movie for, for, for some reason. Keep in mind, I saw it. I enjoyed it immensely. I, I thought it was great. I also dragged my heels when it came to Harry Potter. So, yeah. so there you go. And Lord of the Rings. You dragged your heels on Lord of the Rings? Because I loved the book so much. And th- the version in my head could never compare to Peter Jackson's version on the screen. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So that there are um, fans who are lashing out at certain aspects of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I, I guess it's like, what, it's it's four hours, eight hours? It's four hours. And there are a lot of people who have posted online and harassed some of the stars of this movie on social media and have said some very hurtful things. And this article goes on to watch... You know, um, <clears throat> there were trolls who attacked the 2016 female-led Ghostbusters reboot. Well, yeah, and there's good reason why they should have attacked that sh- that movie, yeah. but only after they saw it. There were people that were attacking before they saw it, which is wrong. Right, it shouldn't have happened. Right. However, have you seen <clears throat> it? I've I I uh. I couldn't watch the whole thing. Neither could I. It was I just a horrible movie. Well, not only is it a horrible movie, Ghostbusters is one of those movies that I think is it was an instant classic. It's it is probably one of the best quote scary movies of yeah. of the of of its time. It's it is a it's a perfect funny scary movie does that make any sense yeah and it's the problem is they just remade it with women instead of men yes what they should have done is they should have had completely new characters they should have had an acknowledgement of the fact that they you know the the previous ghostbusters why they disappeared, all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't, if they even discussed that in the movie, I they don't didn't. remember they because didn't. it was, so they didn't even acknowledge it. You know, they, they should have had it be its own movie instead of a remake of the movie that came before it. Right. That is, in my opinion, where it went wrong. I don't think the Ghostbusters are sacrosanct that they shouldn't ever be you know, the, the, the series should never be touched again. In fact, I think just the opposite. I wouldn't mind if it was a female-led Ghostbusters reboot. 
but it was not a reboot. It was a remake mm-hmm. with women instead of men, right. which is the worst reason to do anything is to say, okay, I think this movie would be better. Be better. We're not going to change much. We're going to change a few of the lines and shit, but we're just going to make it with women instead of men. Yeah. That's, that's not a reboot. It's a remake. And it's an asinine reason to have a remake. And like Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel is a horrible movie for the same reason that the sequel trilogy is a horrible movie. Captain Marvel never struggles throughout the entire movie. Hmm. She doesn't. And she doesn't. Oh, she struggles with letting her full, using her full power. That's not a struggle. That's funny. That's not that's, a struggle. That, that's, that's, that's funny because I, I think that Captain Marvel's a better movie than a lot of people give it credit for, even though I completely understand your flaws. Well, for my, my problems with the movie stem from the fact that Captain Marvel is a, is a bad character to begin with. Yeah. From the very beginnings when Marvel created Captain Marvel in the comics – there was issues with the character. Right. And then when they decided to make Carol Danvers, because Carol Danvers, by the way, is the third person to be Captain Marvel in the in the yes. Marvel universe. And the second woman to be a to be a character. If they had gone with I'm and I'm forgetting her name, I think she, she started off as Captain Marvel, then they started referring to her as Ms. Marvel. Right. She was a black woman. Mm-hmm. That was an enjoyable character. The first character's name was Marvell, which is, you know, so original. And he had what they called quantum bands, which were the source of his power. Right? And he was a shit character. They just they dialed it in when they created him, kind of a thing. Right. Then again, it was the seventies. Could have they could have been forgiven for, you know, smoking a lot of pot or whatever. So that was one of my problems going into the movies that I didn't like the character to begin with. And I tried going in with an open mind, but I don't know how successful I was with that. And then I saw a, basically a remake of Top Gun in the beginning <laughs> yeah, with okay. women instead of men. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when they introduced her as being, you know, with, with the, the whole alien you know, her boss became the villain kind of a thing, right. which is it's not even a trope anymore. It's a fucking cliche at this point. Yep. Um, and she never ever grew as a character. She never struggled. It is not a good movie. From a storytelling standpoint, it is not a good movie. Now a lot of people were pissed off at it from the beginning for a lot of various reasons, by the way. Yeah. There was a lot of people who felt they should have done what they did in the comics, which is start off with the male, move it over to a black woman, and then move it over to Carol Danvers, because that's the progression of the character in the comic books. There was a lot of people that were bitching about that, which for me personally, like I said, I didn't really care for the character. So I was like, eh, whatever. You know? But then, like, they say, so... This article is revealing their own bias itself, right? Sony watched Trolls Attack, its female-led Ghostbusters reboot, because it was a shit movie. It was an awful Marvel's- movie, Jay. It was an awful it was. movie. And the oh, it was. So, 
anyway, continue because I'm I'm about to make. I'm going to lay down right. some 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 um some serious truth. I'm going to I'm going to lay I'm going to lay down some knowledge on folks. So there's a so right. there are people who have legitimate problems, right, with movies that are quote woke. There's a whole bunch of us who are fans of the original James Bond. And when I say the original James Bond, I'm not talking Sean Connery. I'm talking about the way James Bond was written by Ian Fleming. And James Bond right. is, especially starting in Casino Royale and Live and Let Die. He's not a nice guy, okay? He's charming, he's charismatic, but he's also what M calls a blunt instrument, when he's needed, uh, he, you know, he, he knows what wine should be paired with uh, filet mignon, but right. he also knows how to um, quickly shatter that bottle of wine and, 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 and jab whatever he has left in his hand in your temple to kill you silently. If it turns out that you're a Russian agent or a member of specter, he's, he is a, a, a charming hero, as it were, hero in air quotes, who has some serious introspection, but he has no problem killing people who are on the, quote, the wrong side. And he even has an inner dialogue about what is the wrong side? Who, really, who is on the wrong side? Um, right. If he has orders to kill somebody, and he knows that person needs to die. He, he he doesn't even think about it after that person is dead. There are aspects to the way that James Bond is written is that he is a misogynist, somewhat sexist, somewhat racist product of the the end of the British Empire in the 1950s and early 60s. That's the way that he is written. And there's and. He's a throwback to an earlier period. And yeah. you can see that he's a throwback to an earlier time in almost all of the other James Bond movies. Um, I think that the closest person who has gotten James Bond right as the way the way that he was written on the screen. I think it's like the closest person is George Lazenby in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. To a lesser extent, Timothy Dalton and then Pierce Brosnan, and that there are some really. You thought Timothy Dalton's was closer to the books, especially in the Living Daylights, whereas James Bond says things like, "Look, if M wants to fire me, fine. He'd be doing me a favor." Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch that because I still remember there. There was a point in time where the. Um, how to phrase this, the the cheese factor in the movies overweighed pretty much everything else. I think you're thinking more along the lines of, um, what's that movie? I, I've blocked it from my memory, License to Kill, which is they sort of tried to film it like, an, like, like a very expensive episode of Miami Vice with James Bond. Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, for example, The Living Daylights, when yeah. he pulls a wheelie in an 18-wheeler No, uh, No, you're, you're, you're thinking a license to kill. Right. 
Okay. Yeah, that was that was absolutely horrible. That was absolutely horrible. Of course, I'm the son of a truck driver and I know that you know those sorts of things are literally impossible. There is no way there's not enough power and traction in an engine on earth to get that to happen. Right. So um, it ha- it happens in tractor pulls but for different reasons. Yeah, but this trailer wasn't this exactly. tractor trailer truck wasn't pulling a trailer. Obviously, it had no weight behind it whatsoever. Obviously, somebody saw that happen in a tractor pull, and then they had to squeeze that into a James Bond movie for reasons that I, I don't understand. But the thing is, is that there are aspects of James Bond that make him James Bond, and then when you, when you introduce wokeness into it it's no longer james bond it's a watered down version of a character to make him more palatable for the flavor of the month meaning soft effeminate men who are in touch with their feelings and um yeah you know who who are able to embrace their feminine side that's not james bond that's the exact opposite of James Bond. So, and when you criticize the wokeness of it, somehow you're the problem, Jay, or I'm the problem, as it were. And that there are these people who go on these crusades on social media who try and cancel people who call out the fake wokeness of a lot of these bad movies. The, the reboot version of Ghostbusters is a horrible movie and it's it's a horrible movie because the um the director writer paul fig um he's not a good person he's not a he's not a nice person it's pronounced faggy paul faggy i don't care (laughs) 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 i don't care i don't I don't care because the thing is, even before the movie was released, he started to attack the critics of this movie and called these people sexist. Like he preemptively started to attack people. Yeah, that's yeah. And see, that's the other thing, too, that this article is leaving out is there are times when people are pissed off at something stupid right. the studio has done, right? Like, for example, uh, they do have a point in that the way Kelly Marie Tran was abused by the fandom, right. I completely agree, is a horrible thing. It's a horrible that thing. Is, it's, not, that is, it's not her there's fault. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. None whatsoever. You know, and I thought her character... The problems I had with her character had nothing to do with her character and had everything to do with the other problems in the movie, right? So she was sent by a shitty commander to make sure no one escaped the ship. Yeah. That's what she was done, right? Because her the shitty commander had no trust and was not communicating what their orders were. There's no reason why she couldn't communicate what their orders were. None whatsoever. 
She was just a shitty commander. In the military, you get orders. Right. And when you don't get orders, you sit there. And if you're not getting orders, but there's a bunch of shit going on and you want to know what's going on, your commander says it's not for you to know. But you used to be like the second in charge. That's that's an issue. Oh, and now you're not letting anyone off the ship. OK, why? First of all, that entire situation was just an asinine thing to begin right, with. The right. Whole being chased anyway. So. Haldo was a shit character. Right. Her role in the film was shitty. Right. It's just there's so much shit there that you could really pasteurize a field, a like 170-acre field that you want to plow. There was so much shit in there it would fertilize right. the entire thing. Right. But, right. But the thing is, it's a bad – she was a, a bad character who happened to have been a woman. And the minute that you start talking about how Haldo is a horrible character, you're sexist. You're a sexist right. pig because you're calling out a badly written character. If Haldo was played by Bruce Dern and not Laura Dern, and right. you said this is a shit character, nobody would care. Probably right. everybody would agree. You take the exact same lines spoken by a a, a a different actor who happens to be a man, everybody would agree, horrible character. The minute you start talking about Laura Dern's character, who happens to be a woman, now all of a sudden you're a sexist. You're right. the jerk. And the other thing, too, is I don't remember John Boyega getting a lot of shit from the fans. I don't remember him getting any shit. I really don't. You know, I, I'm sure he probably did from some people because people are assholes and there's, you know, idiots everywhere. Kelly Marie Tran definitely got the short end of the stick. She was treated like shit by a bunch of people who still live in their mother's basements right. at the age of 47. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. There's no doubt in anyone's mind who is familiar with it that Kelly Marie Tran was abused by a toxic fandom. Right. John Boyega was not. He was, if anything, embraced by the fandom. He was from the watching of the, the Force Awakens. You thought John Boyega was going to be the new lead in Star Wars. Right. And then it shifted to Ray. And you're yeah. kind of wondering about all of that. And it didn't make any sense, which is another problem with the movie. Right. But then down here, they talk about. Um, Cosplayer and host Christina Ariel faced racist attacks and threats after the studio named her the host of the High Republic show. There's a number of problems with that. One is that the High Republic show was a shitty show. The fans didn't like the High Republic show. Wait a minute, In fact, what? no one likes the High Republic show because the High, Repu High Republic is a series of novels that were created. Kathleen Kennedy basically sort of dictated how, about how, you know, this is where the direction of Star Wars is going we're going to do a story about the High Republic, and they're introducing a bunch of um, new characters. The books have not sold at all. Anything related to the High Republic has not sold at all. Christina Ariel did not receive racist attacks and threats because of because of her race or anything like that. It's because she was put as the face of a shit product. 
And then when that happens, shitty people behave like shit. There's a lot of shit in this show. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, but she basically, and I'm not 100% sure if this is her. I'd have to look into things and frankly, might give a shit is not really very high to look into it. Um, There was someone that, that within Star Wars, Lucasfilm, that basically was antagonistic to the fandom, which is always a good idea. You know, the fandom, you know, the people that make your product worth the money it's worth. It's always a good idea to call them pieces of shit. And I don't know if that was her and I don't know if or if that was someone else. But I have never heard of Christina Ariel. I have heard a lot about the High Republic show. I have heard a lot about the High Republic. None of it has been good. There is not a single review out there that is from an honest reviewer instead of someone who's being paid by Lucasfilm that gave the High Republic any good votes. And their sales have been in the crapper. So I think this entire – all right. So what I think is going on with this Hollywood Reporter thing to some extent is a backlash against – the Forbes article who that was written that basically points out that Disney is fucking up. They fucked up really big when they fired Gina Carano. Right? Yeah, you t- you and, and I, you and I totally agree on that. We completely totally agree that I think that the reasons for firing her was exaggerated. Well, they weren't exaggerated. They didn't exist. She was ironically complaining about the woke crowd in Hollywood, much like Hollywood reporters complaining about the um, toxic fandom. She was not making a statement about Lucasfilm or anyone else in terms of the official people. You know, she wasn't talking about the media. Well, she kind of was more talking about the media and it wasn't a great allegory she made. But the fact that they fired her for alluding to some people behaving like good little Nazi brown shirts, they fired her for that when a year previous, the star of the show literally called half the nation Nazis with a image from Nazi Germany and if I remember correctly, he even texted, he even tweeted out images of, you know, concentration camps, basically saying that this is no different than what's happening at the border. I know that we've spent a lot of time on this. Yeah, in the previous, we kind of probably spent. We, we, that, we, we probably spent a lot of time on this. Um, but the there's the saying, "Go woke, get broke." Oh yeah. And the idea that they are going, uh, I remember the entire controversy with the latest Terminator movie, whereas the director was talking about how, how um, awesome Mackenzie Davis's character is in the new Terminator. I don't know. Terminator, what Terminator generations, Terminator. I don't know. And I don't care. And the thing is, is that oh, oh, men are going to feel threatened by this character. 
but she's she's such a strong character. Uh, fans are going to sit up and take notice of her. And it was, it, I don't think, I don't know of anybody who actually went to go see it. Because the thing, you're going to present a strong female character. And you're, you have to love her even though she's a badly written character. And that the minute that you give Mackenzie Davis any criticism for her character and how her character did not live up to expectations, you're the bad person. You, you the audience who goes to see a movie and it's, and it's, it's more posturing, it's, it's more social engineering, and it's less about entertainment than anything else. And somehow it's your fault it didn't do well at the box office. I remember that there was a time where you were told, if you don't like something, just change the channel or just don't go see a movie. If you, right. don't, if you don't like it, get over yourself, move on with the rest of your life, and, and just don't bother with it anymore. And to some extent that that was true, but now... They want their cake and they they and they want to eat it too. They 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 want to put off this bad product. And they want people to interact on social media talking about how awesome this product is. But when people actually say online, this is a shit movie. Somehow you're a bad person. And it, it gets into this sort of like, um, you realize that it's it's not about entertainment. It's not about escapism. It, it's about propaganda. And if there's a better word, I like to know what it is. But it's no, sort of, I think it's, propaganda it, is really the best way. And maybe indoctrination. Because the thing is, is that we're, we're going to give you this crap and you're going to like it. You're going to like it a lot. And if you don't, you're a horrible misogynist slash racist slash person. You're a whore. You, yeah. Now, this sort of segues into a conversation that I had earlier this week. We have a new shift leader who, for whatever reason, he works on a different shift. But he's been making the rounds during my shift and kind of like doing like these little these little tweaks. And for whatever reason... I don't even know how we were. I, we got on the topic, and for whatever reason, I said I can t everything I need to know about you. Uh, you tell me by what's your your favorite movie and your least favorite movie. And and we were just like for whatever for whatever reason, and it's like I said, probably the the worst movie ever made that was released in, in cinemas in the United States is by far Howard the Duck. <laughs> Howard the Duck is by... And I'm famous for this rant, or it's one of the rants I'm most famous for. So the thing is, and it's like... And I can tell you the reasons why it's a horribly... It's, it's poorly directed. The script is garbage. They took this great idea, Howard the Duck, from the Marvel comics and just made a crap movie. And there are many aspects that don't make any sense. It's sort of like it's it's Howard the Duck is proof that you leave George Lucas alone 
in a writer's room with about two pounds of cocaine. He will. <laughs> it's. I think that Howard the Duck is proof that 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 George Lucas was high either off his own hubris or some kind of illegal substance. Okay. Because <laughs> just the, just the audacity that you would think that this movie would have been a blockbuster. It's it's not even edited well. It's it because it, um, many people say that the original Star Wars movie was saved in the editing, and there, you can you can tell that George Lucas is better as a collaborator than anything else. He knows how to get talented people to work together to make a great product. And the the George Lucas of American Graffiti, THX 1138, the original Star Wars movie, <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that George Lucas is gone. Well, he didn't direct Raiders. No, Steven Spielberg did. But as yeah, a no, but as a but as, as a, a as a collaborator, he's oh, yeah. he's brilliant. If he has somebody like Gary Kurtz who says, "No, no, George, you can't do that. That's shit," and George is like, or "Yeah, Lawrence yeah, Kasdan. yeah," or Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. All right, and I and I was like, and then this guy said, "No, no, Howard the Duck is a terrific movie," and and I and I looked at this guy. And it was sort of like, I think that he expected me to say that because now that he he is in a, in a position within the company, he's new to the company, but he is technically my boss, I'm supposed to agree with him. And I looked at him and I said, I beg your pardon. I said, no, no, Howard the Duck is a terrific movie. And I said, after everything that I had just said, you're going to tell me that Howard the Duck is a terrific movie. And I says, yes, and I expect you to agree with me. Oh, see, that's where he went wrong. Right. And I'm kind of like, I'm sorry. Do you know who the fuck I am? <laughs> Excuse me. Just who the fuck do you think you're talking to right exactly. now? Exactly. Do you do you have any idea how much I could fuck your world up right now? <laughs> <laughs> have you not heard the podcast? Goddamn. Exactly. Which 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 leads me to another another thing that happened the very same day. So um, and he just kind of like looks at me and he realizes that, oh, oh, I think I fucking stepped in some shit. <laughs> I think that it was just like, and then he proceeds to tell my other co-worker, um, the guy who is under me, but I'm grooming him for when I move on, I, when I move up, I want to take him with me. He's, uh -huh. he's a terrific guy, but he's a little loud. He, I mean, when he can shout above the machines, he can shout above the machines. And he was like talking about how, Birds of Prey was a horrible movie. I'm going to tell you talking about the the Harley Quinn movie that um, yeah. it was a horrible movie. And and here's the reasons why. And it was just like, oh, no, I thought I, I, I really loved Birds of Prey. And it's like my 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 fellow co-worker is like, I, are you trolling me? 
But the thought had occurred to me that there are people in the world who seem to believe that you have to like crap because that's what's coming out, as it were. And I I say that in air quotes and sarcasm. You have to like this stuff. You have to like this crap because we're being told that you have to like this crap. Because the because studios pour all of this money into this product, they hype this up. They're counting on you to go see this crap over and over and over again because it's made by these. It's it's not by made by talented writers for the most part. It's made by a committee who have who have hired psychologists and sociologists and and, and so called experts. And these movies are like by the numbers. And it doesn't yeah. it doesn't seem to you can't you cannot make a blockbuster and expect people to like it. And you can't insult people into liking it and make these. Outra- whatever happened to whatever happened to individuality and bucking the system and all of that didn't didn't that used to be a thing where people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Didn't didn't that used to be something we would encourage people to do? Fight against the man. You know? Yeah. I, I could have sworn that was something that we actually valued at one point. Now it's like you you have to like this because this is hit we're hitting all the right notes. Why don't right. you like it? And that's one of the things that you and I have talked in private about, especially about Hollywood. But it seems to be broadening out from just Hollywood right. where they're trying to do something that never offends anybody. And they're trying to make the one size fits all movie slash books slash television series, whatever. The truth of the matter is you need to play to your audience. Right. Right. Marvel played to its audience cinematically. For the longest time, which is why they dominated the superhero movie market. It's not because Marvel is a better company or their superheroes are better. It isn't because they aren't. They're different, Mm -hmm. right? And Marvel's methodology fits in with the woke crowd because of the way they design their superheroes from the beginning. DC's superheroes are always more demigods than heroes right whereas marvel superheroes are always an allegory for current events right that's just the the way they approached from the very beginning in the 1940s 1930s especially right? the 1960s with the x-men being an allegory for the civil rights movement movement like replace people of color with mutants and then and that's can, the x-men and that's the x-men and it, exactly. And that stuff and, and that stuff was brilliant. Right. You know, and but nowadays they're so they're so filtered through the test audience and this filter and that filter and does it, you know, oh, we have this movie and oh my gosh, look, we don't have a we don't have a Hindu lesbian in the movie. So we're going to have to make sure we have one of those characters. Right. No, she doesn't have to be a major character, but she's got to be there. Right. Everyone has to know that she's both Hindu and a lesbian. 
Right. You know what I mean? And because that doesn't fit the right demographic if we're missing that. You know, it's like the reason why every every show that has a female lead, every sitcom with a female lead has to have a gay best friend. Right. Because everybody has to be represented. Right. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that you can have a great show with a female lead. It can be an action show with a great female lead. And when you get people like Kathleen Kennedy, who says the problem with Star Wars is there's no powerful leads. You look at her and say, have you not heard of Princess Leia? Right. Let me show you this movie where a woman gets saved because she was imprisoned. And then she ridicules the people that saved her upon first meeting them, immediately takes charge of the whole operation and basically is the sole reason why they get things done as well as they do. Right. I'd like to show this movie to you. It's called Star Wars. Perhaps <laughs> you've heard of it. Hey, but, but to the other extreme, though, Jay, you look at a movie like Rogue One. I think Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie ever made since The Empire Strikes Back. I think it's the third best Star Wars movie ever made because the characters are flawed, if not just a little bit of this side of fucked up. Ray, right. I mean, Ray. What the fuck is her name? <laughs> um, Jin, Jin or so. Jin is not a nice woman. Okay, they allude to the fact that she's a terrorist. They allude to the fact that she's not a nice person. I mean, she's, I mean, she's a beautiful woman. Don't get me wrong. She's easy on the eyes. There are aspects to her that aren't nice. And yet she she is an interesting character that you eventually root for because you understand her motivations. They made a strong female character with genuine flaws and genuine baggage and damage and made her into a hero. Yeah. Okay. There's a reason there's a reason why Rogue One is a much much better film than The Force Awakens. Right. Two movies. Both of which have female leads. Right. One of them struggles throughout the entire fucking movie. The other one doesn't struggle throughout three movies. One of them is reluctant to do anything that might help the cause. You know, the other one quickly becomes the face of the of the cause for no apparent reason. We don't even know if she believes in what she's doing or why. Why does she why does she believe this? Right. And there and there are these huge plot holes that in in The Force Awakens that are never addressed in the future. They're, They're never addressed in the future. And I think that 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 makes them horrible movies. But. And here's the other thing, and I'm bracing for this. We are going to take criticism and crap for this episode because we dared to say honest, truthful things about bad movies that had, quote, strong female leads. And people are going to totally forget the fact 
that we actually looked at other movies. Another fine example is Sigourney yeah. Weaver in the first two Alien movies. Yeah. An incredibly strong character, extremely well written for the first two movies. Nice and caveat there. Continue. And she's an incredible role model for women. Also, by the way, a reluctant hero. And a reluctant hero. And to this day, people people look at the the first two Alien movies as instant classics. If you're if you're going to talk about horror sci- science fiction, you look to those two movies as perfect examples of that. There are so many other great movies out there with strong female leads. And the reason why is, is that they, they're fully actualized, realized people who have issues, have problems, but just so happen to be women. Right. And it's incidental that they're women, by the way. The other thing that I think a lot of writers are in danger of getting wrong is that they basically make a character and the character could be male, could be female. And then they decide afterwards. Yeah. There are things that are intrinsic to women and things that are intrinsic to men. And yes, I'm talking from a societal understanding because this is how we phrase a lot of things and how we frame them mentally when we, when we talk about them and when we think about them. Right. For example, as you mentioned in the movie Alien, right, Ripley, she is a feminine character. Right. If you were to take Sigourney Weaver out of that role and put in, say, Jean-Michael Vincent from right. Airwolf in that yeah. role, it doesn't play as well. There's something off about the character because she is a very female person. Right. Just like if you were to take the character of Captain America and throw in Brie Larson instead of Chris Evans, it's not going to play right because Captain America is a very masculine, a very male character. Right. So you've got to be true to that. Now, male and female covers a wide variety. That's a large piece of ground that you can cover but there's things you have to include in it to make them feminine right you know tend to men tend to react in a more physical way women tend to react in a more mental slash emotional way Mm -hmm. that's not saying one is better or one is worse that is saying that that is how they tend to that's not a hundred percent saying all women are emotional but most women the majority of women, therefore, any one member of your audience, their experience with women is going to feel true to that. That's how Ripley reacts. She's reluctant to engage physically. She doesn't want to have to. But when she does, she kicks ass doing it. Right. Captain America tends to react physically before anything else. He sets aside his emotions. Those are two key elements of those storylines because of the way their lead character is written 
that lets you know you're dealing with a female protagonist in one case and a male protagonist in the other case. Those are very important parts of why those characters are successful. Yeah. And whenever I read an article and they say that, you know, science fiction doesn't have any strong female characters, I have to giggle and laugh. Yeah, exactly. Because apparently they're not reading or watching the same science fiction that they I aren't. am. They aren't. And I can just you know? I, I can just sit here and I can think of like incredible examples of people of color who are incredible characters on these TV shows. I can look at other women like Starbuck from the 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 most recent the of, yeah. of Battlestar Galactica. Kara Thrace isn't just an absolute incredible character because she's she is like a real woman. That's a real person in that role. Katie Sarkoff is a phenomenal actress who's done other amazing stuff. She was like she was phenomenal in this the, the western that uh, we were just watching. I'm having a problem with names today. Um, uh, uh, Lagmire, I think that uh, Longmire. Longmire, I think that I thought that that's, I yeah. almost called it Quagmire. Giggity, 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 giggity. I, th- I thought that I thought that was an amazing show. And it, it was a great show. And again, Katie, Katie Sackhoff's Starbuck was not the male Starbuck with boobs. Right. She was very, a very feminine character. She was very emotionally driven. Right. Whereas Starbuck was more physically driven. Yeah. Right. There was a lot of key elements of the Starbucks personality in both of those characters because that is also what you expect from Starbucks. That's an example yeah. of a great example of how you can take a male character, make it female. I mean, when it first came out, there was that element of wokeness at the time. But the fact of the matter remains is that she was such a good character. Yeah. That you didn't care. Now, with the Ghostbusters, I only saw the movie once and I didn't even watch all of it. Like you said, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to sit. I couldn't it stomach all. it. I could not, I could not stomach it. And that's not the fault of the actors, by the way. No, because I don't think there was much they could have done for that. Just like, you know, um, Daisy Ridley. I don't think anyone could have done a better job playing Ray. The problem with, with Ray has nothing to do with the person performing the role it's just a shit role. It's just a the badly written not character. A, good character. a badly right. written character. Right? With I mean and, and it was and it, many aspects of it came off like fan fiction written in the 8th grade. By right. you know <clears throat> by um some spoiled nerdy girl who has has never had to struggle because daddy always provided well not that they're not familiar with the source material it's a fan fiction written by someone who's not familiar with the source material but liked the concept and said i can make it better by making it a woman right not not true anyway i did i did want to share with you this little anecdote And I just because the thing is, I was so excited about this. Somebody somebody was taking a tour of the place where I worked. And the head honcho of this little group had said, this is the guy I was telling you about. And they all kind of laughed. 
And one guy in the little entourage says, hey, you really don't have a weaponized karaoke machine in your wet basement where you handcuff bad employees and sing all of their favorite songs until they cry. Do you? You really don't have that, do you? <laughs> and then it's like I said, I, I said, I, I might. I, I don't want to give away my secrets. <laughs> and then this other guy had said, hey, um, do you like start every morning with crack and rum when you come here and work? Or is it just on the mornings when you and Jay do, do the podcast together? <laughs> and, 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 that, and that threw me. But what really threw me was this one guy gave me a pen and a piece of paper and he asked, do you think I could get Jason Cousineau's autograph? <laughs> Uh, dude yeah I know the answer to at least one of those questions <laughs> I only start off the day with crack and rum if I think the day might be a good day or a bad day or a mediocre day those are the only times okay. that I start off with crack alright and we gotta get them as a sponsor yeah we do Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by All of Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner-King-Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>